Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Tax Music. Lynn Birnbaum. I know it's been a long time since anyone's heard me say Moving Iron Podcast was Tax Music with Lynn Birnbaum, but Glenn has been uh, been out scouring the earth for all the latest tax information, and and uh, he has come up with a with a doozy here. So, Glenn, how you been? First off, man. Hey, good. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of cut, you know, rising from the ashes or something. So, but it's yeah, <laughs> just felt like you know we were kind of hoping for some more guidance on some of these some of these points and. Hasn't really materialized, but there has been some, you know, a little more context on some of these revenue raisers, you know, with all the money that's been spent and the, and the debt we're in as a country. You know, they've got to find ways to tax things to to get to plug the, the gap, I guess. So just wanted to talk about a few um, of these potential you know, new revenue raisers, you know, deal with uh, yeah. basically like <coughs> this potential, this new transfer tax, but but we kind of thought we maybe just set the groundwork is to talk about, you know, what the existing kind of estate tax rules are and, you know, what, what happens if I'm gifted, you know, if I'm gifted land or, you know, just kind of these kind of very common questions that I think there is some misnomers out there. And we, we thought we'd kind of cover that here in this first, first go around and then try to talk maybe next time more specifically about what's being proposed and, and what, you know, what some of the challenges that might go along with that. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So new president, typically already new president, it seems like they come with a new tax policy of some sort. So no difference here. So Biden has laid out a bunch of different stuff. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stuff floating around out there. There's like you talked about, like a wealth tax, there's this transfer tax thing, talked about income tax rates uh, going, raising those up. Uh, he's talked about capital gains tax. I mean, just so many things that, it had to do with taxes. He's got a plan for it, and um, everything from helping to pay for this big uh, infrastructure bill that they want to get passed, and all these different things. So, I guess Glenn, there's a lot to unravel here, like, unravel like you talked about. But I guess where do you want to start at first? Yeah, maybe just as a quick reminder, you know, it was December of 2017 when the you know the Trump tax cuts or the tax cuts and job acts was passed. You know, that was in. You know, that was in Trump's first year and it did get passed in December. So now, 
you know, 2021 is the new 2017, I guess, right? It's, it's 2021, and it's, you know, probably pretty likely that something's going to get passed probably in December of 2021. Um, obviously, the Senate is, you know, real tight, 50-50, you know, but that's kind of when you've got to pass a tax bill because next year, 2022, is an election year. So, it, I mean, it seems like, hey, we, we've done this before. So, again, it's very, very likely that there's going to be some tax changes trying to get pushed through here in this first year. Right. Yeah, there's going to be <clears throat> always are. There's always some big tax move in that first that first year of uh, of a new president for sure. So, as you uh, take a look at some of these bills and there's some of these proposals, I guess something's really been out in the bill format yet. But I guess as you take a look at some, do you want to start with capital gains tax first and work your way through that, or what, what's your thoughts, sir? Yeah, just quickly. Um, you know, and we'll dig into this probably in some future podcasts, but the capital gains rate, particularly the long-term capital gains rate, if I've owned an asset more than one year, um, that has been at a preferential rate um, of about 15 or 20, 15 or 20 percent. And um, what Biden is talking about doing is maybe if you have, you know, capital gains over a million dollars, Let's say that that that'd be taxed at you know pushing forty percent, so it'd be a be a pretty big change. But admittedly, you know, for only only those people that had capital gains over a million dollars, so um, that's that's certainly in the works um, being talked about. The other thing is, you know, this four hundred thousand dollar number, right? That's a very common number that's being thrown out. You know, is that taxes aren't going to go up for people making less than four hundred thousand um, dollars, which is you know. Sometimes it's difficult to just, you know, to meet that campaign promise because, you know, you have to really look at all the taxes and things. But that's certainly, you know, what some of these proposals that have come out, and again, we'll get, get into more details on this, is, you know, that, well, okay, taxes are going to kind of stay the same. But if you're making more than 400000 then, you know, your, you, your tax rates could go up, you know, from um, – 37% now to maybe 39.6% plus some extra surtaxes that we can get into later. But, but that's, you know, definitely on the income tax side, it's pretty much focused on, you know, the, the, the high income people and particularly those making over $400,000. Um, I kind of just an interesting sidebar with, with uh, president Obama back when like the affordable care act came out and there were certain surtaxes put in place uh, back then. That would, I believe, that was in 2012 when that, that took effect. The number that was thrown around then, and that's not adjusted for inflation. And um, we're not sure that this 400,000 would be adjusted for inflation either. But the number back then for 2012 was $250,000, and that's still in play right now today. You know, so $400,000 is the number now. It was, you know, not not just that long ago, I guess we're pushing 10 years ago, it was 250000 that was kind of considered, you know, high, high income or whatever. So um, that is a that is something to think about is um, how quickly that, that number has changed in the past few years. Yeah, yeah that, you know, said, some of the information you sent me to you, you're talking about like corporate tax rates increasing and those kind of things too. Yeah, that's probably the the one that you know has a little more more traction because you know we're talking about C corporations, which not a lot of private companies are C corporations anymore. They they keep those numbers keep going down. But all the you know the big companies, you know any of the publicly traded companies, those are C corporations, and they lower the rate from um, 
down to 21%, basically a flat rate of 21%. And now what Biden is talking about is maybe increasing that back up to not, not going back to the 34, 35%, but going back to like 28%. So um, that would be, you know, one proposal out there. And I think part of it is, well, C corporations, you know, they don't, you know, they don't vote, right. They're not individuals. So maybe that's a little easier thing to, uh, to pass through, but but we're hearing that there's some resistance on that. You know, maybe it'll only be 25% and things of this nature. So, but yeah, that's that's definitely one that's on the table is C-Corporation. Great. So I, I cut you off there. So you remember what your thought was. Go ahead and finish that, that thought you were going to have there. Well, I'm not sure I know either, but uh, just one last thing on the C-Corporations. You know, this is one of these weird things is, you know, the first this years ago, the first $50,000 of C corporation income was taxed at 15%. Okay. And that, I believe, again, back to what I just said, those tax brackets actually were not increased since the 1980s. So the first 50 grand was taxed at 15% in, I don't know, say 1986. And that's still the same number as it was, you know, in uh, 2017, which was the last year we had the graduated tax bracket. So, if you're talking about a corporation that, you know, just going back a few years was used to paying a 15% rate on the first $50,000 of taxable income. Now we could be talking about paying 28% on that same $50,000 of income, if you follow me. So, um, you know, for the, oh, wow. for the small corporations, you know, that we deal with some, still some farm corporations around there, it actually is kind of a big increase. Um, um, but yeah, amazingly, there was never any, uh, inflation adjustments on 50 grand, you know, going back to the eighties. I mean, imagine what that would have been, right. If there had just been inflation adjustments on that. So, oh, yeah. um, so individual brackets generally always get increased every year, but C corporation brackets never got increased since, since, you know, I've been in this business about 22 years and I know it's, it's, it was way before then. So that kind of creeps up on you. Um, Cause you know, $50,000 was, was a lot of income, right? Back in the 80s. Yeah. Back in the 80s it was, yeah. So that's why, you know, that was the C Corporation was the preferred uh, entity, you know, until 1986. So, you know, we're still dealing with a lot of companies that are still kind of stuck as a C Corporation. So, but yeah, I do think that there's probably better better likelihood that C Corporation rates do get increased. I mean, it's just only going to, you know, probably have more companies, you know, avoid going C Corp from the start. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the income tax side. Um, I wanted to focus probably as much of time as anything, just on kind of the estate and gift tax side, which interestingly in, in president Biden's, um, you know, released, you know, different plans he's come up with here in April, um, in May, um, he's not actually come out and, and proposed anything quite as specific as we thought on the estate tax, but we just thought we'd kind of uh, refresh everybody's memories because this is kind of a good lead in. Maybe when we talk next time, we talk about the trans, this new potential transfer tax. Um, so I guess the question is, right. If I'm, if I'm, if I receive a gift of farmland, okay. You know, if I have a, some relative gives me farmland. Um, is that going to be taxable to me? That's the question, right? Any thoughts on that, Casey? Put you on the spot. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty common thing. I mean, there's a lot of land gets transferred around 
and and it, it well, even if it's just a, a simple, you know, son or daughter bonding out, dad and mom type of thing, um, what that looks like, or uh, especially at the time of death, a lot of that stuff takes place there too. And depending on what they have for trusts and you know estate planning and all that kind of stuff, this sounds like this could have a pretty big effect on that. Yeah, yeah, because the current rule now is if you're you know if you're gifted an appreciated asset, you know something that's that's worth more than what your relative you know paid for it, it's it's basically never going to be taxable to you as the recipient. Um, and the only question is what's your basis in that land, and if it's a gift, it's called it's carryover basis. Okay. So you have to know what's what your heir pay, paid for, right? Okay, so let, let me ask this question, okay? So my dad bought a, whatever, a quarter in 1975, and he paid 500 bucks an acre for it, right? And so he's got, you know, a quarter, quarter section of ground out there. He paid um, $500 for it. So if I did my math correctly here, that would be 160 acres times five hundred dollars. That's eighty thousand bucks, right? Did I math right? 160 times five hundred. Yeah, eighty thousand bucks. So now today, that same land is going to be worth, you know, who knows, five times that much. You know, three hundred fifty thousand bucks. Yep. So if, if my my mom and dad gift me that land as part of my inheritance, or transferring the farm to me or whatever else the basis that i'm going to be taxed on is the difference between the eighty thousand and the three hundred and fifty thousand, right am i understanding that right well yeah no so you're close um, um you know if you're gifted it you the the problem is it's your basis is going to still be what your dad paid for it okay well then if you All turn right. around and sell it in a year or five years or 20 you know you have a lot bigger yep. gain and so so if you're gifted something, it's carryover basis, it's old basis. Um, if you inherit something, you know, at, at date of death, you get the step up in basis under current current law. Now, a little bit of a wrinkle that if, you know, if your heirs, you know, if whoever's gifting you the land, um, they can gift, most people know this, you know, like a, it's 50, it goes up every year. It used to be $10,000 a year. Now it's up to $15,000 a year, right? Without any... Yeah gift tax consequences, but the gift tax is always on the person who's giving, giving this, the, uh, the asset, not the other way around. But if you gift over $15,000, all is not lost. You can claim it against your lifetime exemption. It's called, which is like over $11 million right now per person. Okay. So, um, so you could, you know, somebody could gift you a lot of appreciated assets, but Again, it's going to be carryover basis. So, you know, if if the person doesn't owe, isn't going to owe any estate tax when they die, right? And and all we can do today here, really, in these next podcasts, is talk about kind of the federal estate tax rules because there are certain states that have different rules. But we just don't, you know, we can't get into all the all the particulars. So, just kind of remember, we're talking about federal estate taxes here. So, if the person doesn't have a federal estate tax when they die, there's really no reason. This is the theory, right? No reason to gift ahead of time um, because all you're doing is kind of saddling the next generation with that low basis, right? So it'd be best just to wait till the person passes away and then you actually inherit it. And then if you inherit it, you're going to inherit it at that, at that higher stepped up basis number. So what happens if uh, 
you know, mom and dad has a farm, dad dies. Um, you know, mom and dad both die and now we've got this, this farm and it's in the state. Right. And it's a, you know, Seymour family farm estate and me and my brother go back in and farm this, farm this piece of ground together. Is that different? Is that a different thing from a taxable, from how, how the IRS looks at it when it's in a, uh, an estate type situation and not, you know, you know, willed to me as, as, uh, as my parents' heir? Well, that's a good question. I think, you know, I'm not an attorney, but I mean, pretty much, you know, everybody's going to have an estate, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the term kind of sometimes is just used kind of generally, but, you know, right. temporarily the estate kind of handles the income and deductions until the, the, in the meantime, until the estate is actually finally settled up and split up amongst the heirs. Um, yeah. But were you asking like, well, does it matter if, if you're, if you and your brother, I think you said, you know, would continue to right. actively farm versus not, not farm it. Is that. Yeah. Like we'd go back in and farm it or, or we decide that we're going to, you know, my brother doesn't want to farm it and I'm going to need, I need to buy him out. So I'm going to downsize the farm a little bit to take, you know, the, to, you know he's going to sell off whatever his section, whatever his percentage of the inheritance is or whatever. Is that. I mean, so how does that all play into effect then? So is he is he selling it, his farm, piece of the farm at the whatever the whatever the value is stated at in uh, the basis is stated in the estate, or how does that whole thing work together? Yeah. So, yeah, so if you, I mean, the idea is if you, if you inherit the farmland and you and you get that step up in basis, which again is you know that's generally been the rules for a number of years. They actually did try to. Put, kind of do away with stepped up bases. I think like in the late seventies, and, and I think it kind of got retroactively pulled pulled back out. Never really put into place because there was such confusion about you know you didn't know what you know your dad or your mom or your grandma you know you didn't know what people paid for it. So it was just it was very cumbersome. But so the idea was if if you inherit a piece of property and then you know you can turn around and sell it you know shortly thereafter and really not have any gain or loss. Okay whatsoever so now if you know if your brother i mean whether you buy it or he you know he would really hey this is the time to sell it right if, if he likes the price he, he just got that step up and you know there, there'd be a reason to kind of liquidate um and so i think you know the the, the perspective i guess is that well is that you know is that a windfall i guess you know to the heirs you know they right if your dad only paid 500 bucks an acre for it, you know, is that fair that, you know, the heirs walk, can walk away tax-free? I mean, that's that's a subject for another day that we'll never cover, but that's, you know, that's kind of why they're, again, with this new transfer tax, we'll talk about probably next time, but that's, they're kind of going after that kind of free step-up and basis. Um, so uh, maybe just another little point, just as you brought it up, there, there are, it's not a huge deal anymore, but it's called section 2032A, but there are ways to have the land be valued at a, a little bit lower value, uh, more, it's kind of, it's kind of a formula, but the classic case is, well, if, if there's farmland, you know, right next to, you know, some commercial development, but, but your family is going to continue farming it right afterwards is it fair to use, you know, like a, you know, subdivision developer or commercial, commercial real estate value for farmland that you, you know, your, your family plans on, you know, farming it for the next number of years. So there's this little provision in the code 
that says, well, you can kind of use this lower like farmland value. Again, it's called 2032A. It generally reduces, it can reduce an estate by a little over a million bucks. It does keep going up a year. So, so in that case though, you've got to actually, you know, there's, there's restrictions around it. Um, but you and your brother would have to like farm it for like the next 10 years in effect. Okay. Kind of simplifying it, but but if you if you decide, you know, hey, I'm getting I'm getting the benefit of this lower estate tax value because taking advantage of this rule. But if three years later you you know you decide with your brother to to, to sell out, right? You kind of have to recapture that estate tax that you would have paid. So so not, and the reason why I'm focusing on this is because this there's going to be some provision like this in this new transfer tax that we'll talk about next time. Is well, you know you don't want to have to force somebody to sell the land, right. To pay this transfer tax. Um, and so if you keep it in the family there, you know, what's being proposed is you don't have to, you know, pay the piper quite so quick. So, but there's a lot of complexities around that and what, you know, what's considered family owned, you know, cousins and all sorts of things. But, but that is one little wrinkle that if, if, you know, now again, if, if, if the heir doesn't have a taxable state, if you don't need to reduce the estate by a million bucks or whatever, you wouldn't put in into play this 2032A provision. But, you know, 20 years ago, Casey, I mean, the, the state tax exemption was, um, I'm a little bit forgetful, but it, you know, I know when I first started in 1999, it was $660,000. That was the state tax exemption. You know, then it became a million, two million, three and a half million, and, you know, five million, and now it's up to $11.5 million. So, I mean, it's a, it's a lot different than it was you know, 20 years ago, where that million dollar um, reduction in value was a big deal. So now that doesn't come into play very often, right? If you got, if you can have $11.5 million and pass that tax free to your heirs. So. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. But yeah. And that could, you know, back to your example, I mean, you know, yeah, you, you know, you, you know, if you're going to buy out your brother, you know, you've got to right finance it somehow. Right. And, Right. On that. So, <coughs> so if you inherit, you know, if, if you inherit something, you get the step up in basis. Um, if you gift something, you it's carryover basis. It's the old basis. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So I'm sure there's there's pros and cons to both, right? On yeah. The basis thing. You know. Yeah. I mean, if you really, I mean, if, again, you know, a few years ago when the exemption was, you know, three and a half million or four or five million, you know, if you really had an asset in your estate that you thought was going to really appreciate in value, you know, over the next five or 10 years, you know, you say, hey, well, I'm just going to get this out of my estate now, right? I'm going to gift it out of there. Um, yeah, the, you know, my heirs are going to have a low basis, but it's just, it's going to be worth so much more in a few years that it's still worth it to, to gift it, you know. So that's, it's kind of that trade-off, right? If um, Basically, you know, if, if you got to step up on basis, it's because you were subject to the estate tax. I mean, but but the estate tax exemption has been raised so high that, um, you know, it, it just doesn't impact that many people anymore. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, but it is, you know, it's hard to know what you, yeah, because... The other thing is when you gift, you know, if you gift an asset away, there are some exceptions to this complications, but we're trying to keep this simple. But if you gift, you know, if your dad gifts farmland away, you know, they also are gifted, you know, that they're no longer have access to the income either. Right. 
So right. Farmland is supposed to be your retirement, you know. Uh, I'm supposed to get that stream of rental payments. If I gift it to the next generation, hey, I'm not getting those rental payments anymore. So that's something to keep in mind. It's, it's uh, you know, you, you want to have some cash flow in retirement. Yep. So, um, so yeah, so that's, so again, it's $11.5 million per person. So actually, you know, we're talking about married people. I mean, you know, it's over $22 million that can be passed tax-free. Um, one thing that's, um, if you go back 20 years, you wouldn't have had this, but um, we also have what's called portability with estate tax. So that means, you know, if, if um, you know, the wife has $8 million of farmland and the husband only has $2 million of farmland, you know, um, whatever, let's say the husband dies first, and if, they only, if they're only worth $2 million, you got an $11 million exemption, there's an extra $9 million exemption that would port over, transfer over to, to the wife. Okay. So years ago, you'd have, you'd really want to make sure you had everything titled pretty evenly between husband and wife to try to take advantage of some of these step up and basis things. Well, now it's 22 million across two people and there's called, it's called portability or any unused exemption of the first to die can kind of get transferred over to the second to die if you need it. Um, now you do have to then, of course, like file a, you know, file an estate tax return to kind of establish that, but that's, that's made it a little easier too. Because again, it's really 22 million across a married couple, which is a big number. That's a big number. Yeah. Very big number. <laughs> you know, yeah. in 2017, that was, you know, cut, cut. It was about half of that. Yeah. So that's, you know, so what one of the things that President Biden has proposed, again, it, it wasn't more in like when he was campaigning, was maybe going back to, well, we're not really sure, would we go back to the $5 million per person or even potentially like $3.5 million per person, potentially. Yeah. So that's that's a big deal. And the tax rate, uh, right now, the estate tax rate, is, it's up it's up to 40% rate is what we're talking about if you're over, if you're net worth. So one of the key things I should mention is it's your farmland, I'm using that as an example, it's what the value of your farmland is minus any debt that you would have on it. So it's not, it's not just a pure asset. Say if I have farmland worth more than, you know, $11.5 million. No, I have to have, you know, equity in my farmland worth more than $11.5 million. So liabilities do come into play here. Gotcha. So, so, yeah, you kind of have to look at all your, you know, all what you have, add it all up, and you compare it to this lifetime exemption. And anything over the top of that, that's what you pay that 40% rate on right now. So. Gotcha. So, big picture, it's a big number now. But what we'll talk about next time is this transfer tax, and the numbers are a lot smaller on that. And that's why it could impact a lot, a lot more farm families than, you know, than the estate tax does currently. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So kind of just want to touch on something real quick here. Just be, it's really a question for me more than it is anybody else, but, um, so you filed tax, you know, tax, uh, filing date that you got pushed back a month, May 15th. And if you, uh, extensions all those kind of things are coming up talk about that a little bit just so everybody's squared away on 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 those kind of filing dates that are coming up here 
pretty quick. Yeah, so we're, we're recording this on July 8th here. So um, the next real tax deadline is um, September 15th, really. That's the third quarter tax estimate deadline. Um, and then the extended 1040 deadline would be October 15th, which is, that's always been the way it is. So yeah, yeah last year at this time, Casey, you know, July 15th was the, was the kind of the original deadline for, for personal returns. So right, yep. it's a little confusing and, and we've seen the IRS get confused. We've seen clients get confused on, you know, did they make these payments? And it's, it's really kind of crazy. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, so we've, we've kind of got a little breather here. Um, really again, it's still October 15th is really the next, as far from a return filing deadline. And then as far as a quarterly estimate, it's September 15th. Yeah. And May I know 15th, we've kind of fifteenth was you know when yeah when you were supposed to file the you know either an extension or, yeah. or filed your return so right and I know we've talked about PPP a lot here in the past but had they ever come up with any real clear guidance on on what was what you could use and what you couldn't use and and those kind of things that they really ever nailed that down so everything that I've read kind of shows that they're kind of sort of in one camp but not one hundred percent. Yeah, um, I mean, th there hasn't been any new guidance, which, again, is partly why we haven't really done too many podcasts lately, because we thought there'd be a little more clarity on some of the stuff. I mean, the biggest thing with the PPP is originally you had, uh, um, you know, eight weeks to spend the money. And it was going to, you know, it was going to be difficult just because your, your loan was kind of based on 10 weeks and you only had eight weeks to spend it. So. But when they changed it from eight weeks to 24 weeks to spend the money, it just made almost every business, you know, very likely that they're going to get it all forgiven. So some of these minute details um, just don't matter as much anymore if you follow me. I mean, right. yeah, there's a small sliver of a couple clients, but most people, it just doesn't matter. Because you've got three times yeah. as much time to, uh, to file. So um, one deadline on PPP, and of course, we had to bring up PPP, I guess, Casey, so... You know, you warmed up on this, but um, yeah. if it's 10 months after the end of your 24 week covered period. So whenever you got the loan, you go out 24 weeks and then you add 10 months onto that. What am I talking about? That's really when um, you got to start making um, your monthly loan payments. And that's actually coming up here end of July, early August. Um, so if you, you know, if you haven't done your forgiveness application yet, um, it actually doesn't mean that you couldn't get it forgiven later. It just means you'd have to start making monthly payments on the PPP loan. So finally we are getting to that point. And most, most people have probably already filed, but there's some that are just, I'm waiting to see how these rules work. And then um, this employee retention credit is a whole other ball of wax, but, but yeah, that is a deadline that could be, should be on people's radars um, is again, it's 10 months after the end of your 24 week covered period. But your gotcha. banks are probably you know, following up and saying, Hey, just a reminder, you know, you got, if you haven't got your application in, you know, you're going to have to start making payments. So, so keep yep. that. Yep. Good stuff. Well, good stuff. Glenn, anything else you want to throw out there last minute before we shut down the podcast here? I don't think so yet. Again, next time we'll talk about this new transfer tax, which is which is a separate, totally separate tax, family estate tax. And again, it's not not final. We haven't even seen legislation on it yet. But the idea would be it would just as a preview, it would tax um, certain assets at death, or it would actually tax 
you would pay a tax at gift as well when you when you give something as well. So again, entirely separate from the estate tax. So, um, so you're gonna get an estate tax and a transfer tax. Transfer tax, yep. And of course, you still have the income tax. So, and they gotta they gotta make one. They just call it the just because tax. That way, they can encompass everything in the in the one big lump sum there. Yeah, but again, this this, this <laughs> is yeah quite a bit different than the estate tax. So we'll talk about mm -hmm. that one next time and try to try to yeah. contrast um, the estate tax versus this new transfer tax. So, if anything, it'll keep you busy, right, Glenn? I guess, yeah, that's that's for sure. <laughs> yep, right on. Well, Glenn, if folks had more questions about what we talked about today, or just about some of the stuff that we have coming up here. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, it's best to call our office here at Sickage, our East Pier office. Our phone number is 309-694-4251. Uh, That's you know still the best way to probably reach me. And then, uh, or you can always look me up on Twitter. Uh, at Glenn Birnbaum is my handle. Yep. Make sure you check that out. Glenn's handle's really good, especially after we post stuff like this. Uh, a lot of the other accountants in the world chime in and, and either uh, – and add to the add to the conversation there. So I'd definitely check that out. Glenn, it's been great catching up with you here, man, and uh, look forward to the next time we do this. We'll do it again soon, Casey. Thanks. All right. Thank you. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, tw Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast as they get posted. You can also go to movingironllc.com, and you will find the entire library of the Moving Iron Podcast posted there. Uh, go to movingironllc.com for the latest information about the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee. That is September 15th through the 17th. Uh, go up to the navigation uh, tab up there. Click on the Moving Iron Summit tab, and you'll find registration. You'll find hotel information. You'll find um, all agendas, who's speaking, You know all the good stuff that you know about what's going on there. So make sure you check that out. And if you need more information about that, send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. And uh, I'll be sure to get back to you with whatever information you might need. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Glenn Birnbaum. Let's give me some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. In the 21st century Hardworking people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here